time, weather, and... Welcome to Road Trip Radio, the only program suitable for every single person in Canada. I'm Caitlin Howden. And I'm Pat Kelly. And on today's show, we are celebrating the prairiest province, the baddest, flattest region in Canada. I'm talking about Saskatchewan. Get to know Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan has a million people and 100,000 lakes. That means that there's a lake for every 10 people. Hey, Arcade Fire, you get a lake. The province is home to the Athabasca Sand Dunes, an 8,000-year-old sandy region that stretches for 100 kilometers and moves around with the wind. Saskatchewan is a rectangle. Can you draw a rectangle? Congratulations! You can draw Saskatchewan. And finally, if you rearrange the letters in the word Saskatchewan, it actually spells wheat's a snack. So there you have it. There's a little bit about the place we like to call wheat's a snack. Also on the show, we head to Saskatchewan's highest peak. The Quizmaster is back. We learn a little bit about farming. And as always, our roving reporter Peter Oldring is out and about in the province getting fully immersed in the Saskatchewan experience. Peter, you there? Yes, I am, Caitlin. And actually, currently, I'm immersed to the waste in wheat. <laughs> so, Peter, what are your plans today in Saskatchewan? Well, uh, as your road trip radio listeners know, uh, Saskatchewan is a very flat province, and uh, using a little bit of savvy, uh, I'm planning on taking advantage of that fact by setting up a lemonade stand. I love lemonade stands. That's a great idea. Absolutely. Well, let me explain a little bit how this is going to work. I am in the center of the province in Prince Albert, and from here, I can see forever in every direction because it is just so darn flat. And so if I get my lemonade sign at the height I'm hoping, uh, really, I should be able to draw traffic from miles and miles away, or that's kilometers, I should say. Well, I hope your lemonade stand is a, a popular success today, Peter. I really do. Well, I certainly hope so. I hope it is, too. I've been told that once you get a little taste of my sweet, sour lemonade, you really can't go back to the stuff in a box. And all I have to do at this point is get some lemons, and I should be set. Well, good luck with that, Peter. We'll check in with you soon. Take care now. Out on the road, road trip radio. Later tonight on Road Trip Radio, it's another episode of Say Yup to the Cup. My name is Kevin, and every summer I go through my hockey equipment to see what needs to be replaced. Kevin brings his mom, dad, and wife to help pick out his new equipment. You know, uh, as Kevin's dad, I've been a big part of him buying hockey equipment, well, since he was born. Uh, so, you know, my priority as a father is I just want to see Kev uh, happy. I'm Kevin's wife, and this is my first time going to one of these things, and... I'm a little nervous. The gang heads to Skyline Hockey Shop, where they meet with their sales associate. Well, Kevin, we uh, we did set aside a couple of um, options here based on a conversation that we had. My understanding was that you were looking for something in either a red or a white. So, well, that... w uh, red, white, black, you know, blue—it doesn't matter. All right, well, we pulled red and white. So, Kevin's family are on pins and needles as it's time for the unveiling. <laughs> there we go. Oh, Ooh. Ooh. Wow. Hey. wow. 
it's good. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Kevin, I'm, I'm trying not to cry here. Uh, I think that's the one. It looks great on you. Thanks, Dad. This makes me very uncomfortable. But what do you think? Are you going to say, yup, to the cup? Um, yeah. It's say yup to the cup. All right, everybody, let's line up and take turns giving him a whack. Grab that stick. Tonight on Road Trip Radio. That thing sounds hollow like a melon. It's now time for the Saskatchewan Community Calendar, brought to you by these crazy kids. A warning, only one of these events is real. It's up to you to decide which one it is. In celebration of Canada 150, the Regina Folk Fest is hosting its From Far and Wide collaboration. Tegan and Sarah are one of the headliners. And it's up to you to decide who is who. Get a jump on the fall coffee craze with the Midsummer Pumpkin Spice Latte Festival in Saskatoon on the August long weekend. On Thursday, it's a Saskatchewan spelling bee. It's the only spelling bee in the country where contestants are invited to properly spell one word, Saskatchewan. And that's the Road Trip Radio community calendar brought to you by these crazy community kids. And now... In conversation. Growing up with her sister and her brother on her family farm just south of Regina, Saskatchewan, Mary Jane Duncan had aspirations of doing something other than farming. But there was always that little voice in the back of her mind calling her back to the farming life, especially after completing two university degrees. She's now a new mother, and she's happily living on the farm with her family, and she joins us on Road Trip Radio to talk not only about what it means to be a female farmer, but also what it's like to farm in Saskatchewan. Hello, Mary Jane. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Okay, so first off, uh, you are a farmer. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your farm? Okay, um, I come from uh, a family farm that's about three miles south of Regina, um, our family has been farming it for about 130 years, and we grow durum wheat, uh, canola, and lentils, and we farm about over 7,000 acres. So when did you make the decision that you were going to be a farmer and that farming was for you and this is what you wanted to do for your career? I had hopes to get into medicine, so I, I loved the farm and I thought, well, maybe it's an option, but I wasn't quite sure if um, if being a female would have put any constraints on me. But then my younger sister, Katie, was always really involved in the farm. And she would just straight up say, yep, when I finish school, I'm going to be a farmer. That was always her aspiration. And that kind of made me think, you know, if Katie can do it, why can't I do it? Well, you sort of said it there that, uh, you know, typically we think of the the boys in a family taking over a, a family farm. Um, what would your advice be to girls that are listening who may be interested in farming about becoming a farmer? I would say don't put constraints on yourself because, um, for me, the physical aspect was something that I thought maybe I couldn't do, but you know, there's a lot of mechanical things that make the job physically easier. But I also think it was really helpful having a family that never even questioned, you know, oh, you're a female, so maybe you shouldn't be on the farm. It was just always assumed that 
you are a child of this family, you are therefore an employee of this farm. So basically a, a farmer really has children to create employees for themselves. My dad has literally said that. <laughs> so, <laughs> and how does he feel about you uh, taking such an interest in running the farm now? Is he uh, is he proud of you and and happy for your decision? Oh yeah, for sure. He he loves farming with his kids, and he says all the time he he wouldn't be farming today if if his kids weren't farming with him. For anybody who's listening. What would you say to them to get them into farming if somebody's thinking about, hey, maybe I want to be a farmer? Why should they become a farmer? I would say it's it's a hugely rewarding career. Like at the end of the day, you're producing, you know, the durum that goes into the pasta you eat or the lentils that go into the soup you eat or the canola that goes into the McDonald's French fries you eat. And it's a great way to work with family. I love going to work every day and getting to work with my brother and my sister and my dad and having my mom bring bring lunches or suppers or my sister. Yeah, it's a way of life that uh, I don't think I could trade off for very much. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for telling us about what it's like to be a farmer and uh, knowing what time of year it is. You've got to get back to work. So get out there. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. To Road Trip Radio. What you are about to hear is true. These events occurred a few years ago in the Canadian wilderness. Some names have been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty. Last time on the Spaghetti Bandit. Months before a cabin was found to have been broken into, a man was discovered camping in an extremely remote, water-access-only First Nations burial cave. An archaeologist and a First Nations guardian surprised the man at his campfire. I'm Grant Lawrence, and this is the story of the Spaghetti Bandit. Chapter 3. The Stakeout. The First Nations guardian peered into the fire and noticed what looked like planks. She demanded to know what the man was burning. I found wood in the cave. You found wood in that cave? That wood, that wood is from sacred burial boxes. Those are coffins. You are desecrating this site. You're breaking the law. Jenny pulled out her phone, but she couldn't get a signal. So she snapped a picture of the man before he could turn back into the cave. The two women turned to go back down the trail, fearful that the man would follow them or try to stop them. As soon as she had a cell signal, Jenny immediately informed her manager, Eric, of the unwelcome camper at the burial site. The next morning, Eric and two RCMP officers arrived at the site in a police launch. Eric followed the officers as they crept up the trail. When they arrived at the cave, the man was gone. He had mostly broken camp, but it was obvious he had left in a hurry. There was plenty he left behind. 
including a stack of well-worn adventure novels inside the cave, a cave that also housed ancient human bones. Jenny was right. The man had been using burial boxes as firewood. As far as Eric was concerned, the intruder had destroyed the site. Tampering with a First Nations burial site was illegal. The RCMP could arrest him. But first they had to find him. Eric had no idea how long the chase would last. Eric had a sense that the man with the long black hair was still nearby and would very likely return to the cave once they left. So they went back to their boat, but instead of leaving the area, they motored into the next cove, tied up again, and approached the cave from a higher angle to stake it out. They'd pounce as soon as the man would return. But he never did. Not only that, but Eric had a foreboding feeling that they were the ones being watched. For the next installment of the Spaghetti Bandit, head to the Manitoba episode. To start the story from the beginning, jump back to B.C. We're back here on Road Trip Radio. I'm Caitlin Howden with my co-host, Pat Kelly. And today's episode is all about Saskatchewan. And now it's time to check in on the Farmer's Market Report for the province. The price of strawberries is holding steady, but make sure you give them a whiff. They should smell sweet. Watermelons are also holding steady, but give them a tap. They should have a good pop to them. Peaches are also holding steady, but make sure you give them a little, not you know, don't squeeze them too much, just a little light touch and also smell them because that's how you know if peaches are fresh and while you're there pour yourself a nice tall glass of canola oil and that's the farmer's market report for saskatchewan now let's check back in with our man on the scene it's peter oldring who set up his own little market a lemonade stand in the middle of saskatchewan hey pete it's caitlin how are the lemonade sales going well, at this point, uh, business still has not opened. Uh, slight oversight on my part. Thought it would be easier to uh, pick some fresh lemons here in Saskatchewan, but unfortunately, uh, the citrus trees are not fruiting uh, currently here. Either that or there simply aren't lemon trees. But regardless, I've had to pivot my uh, business plan a little bit. Uh, the stand will open uh, shortly. It's just that I won't be selling lemonade. I'll be selling a juice that you can only find here in Saskatchewan. Oh, like a Saskatoon berry juice? Mm, no, that, shoot, that would have been a good idea. No, uh, I'm making wheat juice. Oh, so it's um, a, a juice made of wheat? That's correct, yes. Mm. Uh, uh, that plentiful grain that grows here on the uh, flat flats of, of Saskatchewan. I'm juicing stalks of wheat, and uh, word to the wise, it takes uh, quite a lot of wheat, really, to, to even get a drop of wheat juice, so I'm going through a fair bit of wheat stock in order to just get these small cups prepped. Pete, I'm having a hard time imagining uh, what this juice would look like or taste like. Can you describe it to us? Yes, of course. Uh, The look is uh, 
sort of a khaki. Uh, it's a, a ropey khaki juice. Uh, and the flavor, uh, of course, bitter hits your palate first, and, and it's sort of followed by an even deeper, richer bitter. Uh, now, that, of course, is before I put in some of my uh, proprietary seasoning. All right. Well, we look forward to hearing how sales go. We'll, we'll call you back in a little bit. How about that? Sounds good. Saskatchewan has some pretty unique town names. Places like Eyebrow, Elbow, and Urine. Yep, I said it, Urine. But it turns out Saskatchewan's highest point actually doesn't have a name. So we sent Eric Anderson to this place to find out why. If you're a kid in the backseat of your car driving through Saskatchewan on the Trans-Canada Highway, well, I'm sorry. You probably think this is the flattest, most mundane place in the country. And if you judge Saskatchewan by this drive alone, you might be right. But if your parents are willing to head north or south of the number one highway, you will discover a treasure trove of goodies, including the second highest point in Canada, east of the Rocky Mountains. It's just all-encompassing. And when you go there, you're just always in awe of what you'll see every minute that you're out in the wild. That's Melody Nagel-Heise, the park naturalist for Cypress Hills Interprovincial Park, describing where you will find the highest point in Saskatchewan. Yet, that point, which is 1,392 metres above sea level, roughly the same elevation of Banff, Alberta, does not have a name. Why is that? To find out, I'm standing at Lookout Point in the Cypress Hills. It's a rocky cliff that's a bit on the breezy side and about 100 metres shorter than Saskatchewan's highest peak. Gail Kessler is beside me. She works year-round promoting the park to the world and loves this very spot. And it's easy to see why. The view is incredible. You can see like up towards to 300 miles on a perfectly clear day. You can see the Great Sand Hills. You can see Maple Creek. And you can actually see the curvature of the earth. It's just an amazing, amazing viewpoint. You can see the curvature of the earth? Yeah, you can. On a really beautiful, clear day, you can actually see the curvature. So if you ever thought that the earth was flat, all you have to do is come up here and you know. That's pretty amazing. And something that amazing obviously deserves a cool name like Lookout Point. You would think a point even higher than that would be worthy of a name. But listen to Gail as she explains how challenged we are in Saskatchewan when it comes to naming things in the Cypress Hills. There has been three different types of First Nations name, Blackfoot Cree. There's also been um, the voyageurs. They looked at the trees here and called these the Montagne de Cipri. And Cipri for them meant jackpine. But other people interpreted it as cypress trees, so they called them the Cypress Hills, um, which is not quite right. I guess it should have been the Jackpine Hills. Okay, so we're not the best when it comes to picking the right names, but this is the highest point in Saskatchewan. There has to be more to it than just having a poor track record. I take a beautiful drive to the historic Reeser Ranch in the west block of the Cypress Hills where I meet Scott and Teresa Reeser. The ranch is beautiful, tucked away amongst the Cypress Hills, a gorgeous view of the prairie and it even has its own natural spring. 
The ranch has been in Scott's family since 1904 and was a traditional spot for First Nations to stop every summer to hunt game and collect water from the nearby springs. The ranch is also about 50 meters short of being the highest point in Saskatchewan. Not that it bothers Scott. And how they figured out that's the highest point, we're not sure. But anyways, uh, it's all kind of the, uh, the same. And uh... Yes, and we've been there. We've been by the spot uh, going to some friends of ours who ranch up there as well. So we, we are familiar with the surroundings up top there where it is. Teresa explains that Saskatchewan's highest point is on private land. Ross and Heather Beyerbach, longtime ranchers in the area, own it. That's one reason why the point is nameless. It's not on public land, so it's not like the government can just decide to give it a name. That decision belongs to Ross and Heather. Also, it's not easy to find. There are no signs saying highest point this way. There's just a set of GPS coordinates and a gravel road that takes you near the point. And then you'll need permission from Ross and Heather to go on their land. Very few people in Saskatchewan have embarked on the journey to find Saskatchewan's highest point. Um, it's a big field and you can hear lots of cows mooing. And there's big uh, poop, cow poops. And at, there's a big fence around it. That's Luke Hepner. He's 11 years old, and last summer, he stood on Saskatchewan's highest point. Luke, along with his brother Jake and sister Sasha, took a trip with his mom and auntie to find the point. The Hepners live near Waldheim, Saskatchewan, population 1,035, elevation 550 meters. They were hoping for a bit of an adventure. What they found was, well, I'll, I'll let Luke's mom, Denise, explain. When we got there, it was... We had to laugh because it was, you did actually get, go up this very beautiful drive where you actually did drive up some hills and down by Cypress Hills, there's actually hills and cliffs and things like that where, where it's actually very stunning. But the highest point in Saskatchewan is very fitting for Saskatchewan because it is a bald prairie top with cows grazing on it. <laughs> I think that's it. I think that's why Saskatchewan's highest point doesn't have a name. It's not a crescendo of beauty made for postcards like Banff or Jasper. You can barely find it on a map. We are a pretty unassuming people in Saskatchewan. We have plenty of fields in the province. Few have names, most don't, including where Saskatchewan's highest point calls home. Right now, there's no big push to name this point. To be honest, there's more concern about whether the Saskatchewan Rough Riders will win any football games this year. But that doesn't mean Luke and Sasha Hepner haven't thought of potential names. Um, I would actually name it like Cow Freedom or something because there's a lot of cows and yeah. There you go. For Road Trip Radio, reporting from the Cypress Hills in beautiful Saskatchewan, I'm Eric Anderson. For photos of Saskatchewan's unnamed highest point, head to Road Trip Radio on Facebook. It's now time for a Road Trip Radio Language Minute, where we explore the words and phrases you might come across while talking your way through the country. 
If you're driving through Saskatchewan, you're going to want to know something about Cree. And that's why Joan is going to tell us a little bit about where she lives and about the Cree language. Hello, Tansi. My name is Joan Beattie. I'm from Deschambeau Lake, Imusompatnagoti. It's a small Cree community in northern Saskatchewan. About 1,200 people live here. It's beautiful here. There are many lakes, trees, birds, and animals. Saskatchewan means swift flowing river in Cree. I am thankful I speak Cree. But we are losing our language. We have to teach the children. Thank you. That was another Road Trip Radio Language Minute. Hi, I'm Tim Parker, and this is Quizmaster. Quizmaster, celebrating Canada's sesquicentennial birthday, one quiz at a time. This week, featuring the reason almost 1% of the population believe the Earth is actually flat. Saskatchewan. Have you ever stopped to consider what might be on the other side of the 12 letters that make up the word Saskatchewan? Have you ever thought what could happen if you took those 12 letters and rearranged them to make a word or a phrase? I invite you at this time to join me where nothing is what it seems as we step into the Anagram Room. Also referred to as Throng Ammo Area, Hormone Ragmat, and Marathon Ego Arm. My apologies to all of the drivers out there who would love to be taking this anagram challenge right now. Unfortunately, this is definitely a game where you need your hands to write down your answers, unless you are a borderline genius. Now, for the rest of us, the letters we're dealing with are S-A-S-K-A-T-C-H-E-W-A-N. So the letters from Saskatchewan could also be rearranged to give you Hawk's Ascent. And my personal favorite, Tweaks Ashcan. Tweaks Ashcan. Reminds me of the cat that used to play with cigarette butts behind the Red Rooster convenience store. She never meowed. She was always so clean. The bullies in the neighborhood claimed she was feral and diseased, but with me... She was always very affectionate in her own silent alley cat way. All right. So if any of you got some anagrams that I've missed, please post them to our Road Trip Radio Facebook page. Time for the speed round. What do you call someone who's from Moose Jaw? If you said that someone from Moose Jaw would be called a moosehead, you would be wrong. And things could get quite uncomfortable. It's a moose javian. Moose javian. What about someone from Little Bone? Careful with this one. Uh, they could be Little Bonians, Little Bone Leonians. 
And then there's Porcupine Plains. Mm, could you refer to them simply as Porcupinians? Porcupinians. Porcupine Plainians. Plainians. Well, a few more you might want to figure out before you arrive are Cut Knife, Spy Hill, Onion Lake, and Chicken. I'm Tim Parker, and please don't forget that sometimes the best way to work things out is by getting quizzical. Road Trip Radio is made possible by our sponsors. Ira's Glasses and Contact Lenses, the ever-nutritious Koenig Cereal, and Big Box Franchise Bar and Grill. Big Box Franchise Bar and Grill. With thousands of locations across Canada, Big Box Franchise Bar and Grill is the ultimate good time destination when you and your friends can't think of anywhere else to go. With our adequate food, passable atmosphere, and okay prices, Big Box Franchise Bar and Grill is where fun sort of lives. Big Box Franchise Bar and Grill. Neither too fancy nor too grubby. Big Box Franchise Bar and Grill is the perfect place to meet the guys, gossip with the girls, or, I don't know, hold a business meeting? You could do that there, I guess. Big Box Franchise Bar and Grill is also the ideal place to watch your dad awkwardly flirt with the waitress as they both struggle to pronounce chibata bread. Big Box Franchise Bar and Grill, your dad is being gross. Big Box Franchise Bar and Grill caters to all party sizes, from large groups to single men eating wings in the corner. Our menu has over 100 fried items. Plus, every Big Box Franchise Bar and Grill location has 17 big screen TVs. You're guaranteed to be watching sports, whether you want to or not. Big Box Franchise Bar and Grill, since when is poker a sport? Unlike serious restaurants, the bathrooms at Big Box Franchise Bar and Grill are labeled dudes and dames. Oh, and there could be karaoke on some nights, or maybe not, also. Anyways, make it a night to remember, or at least a night where you got out of the house. At Big Box Franchise Bar and Grill. Big Box Franchise Bar and Grill. It's a huge box, and there's food inside. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Road Trip Radio. I didn't know how little I knew about Saskatchewan. Well, it really is a fascinating place, Caitlin. And, and I think the thing that I'm so fascinated by is that people don't know it's home to the greatest berry in the world, the Saskatoon berry. Uh, and I don't know if we spend enough time during this episode talking about the Saskatoon berry. Uh, for those who don't know, it's, it's a little berry. It's a little bit smaller than a blueberry, kind of a cross between a blueberry, blackberry, maybe a bit of a chokecherry berry. In you know there what? I well. hate to cut you off, Pat, but I just don't want to hear you anymore. Before we say goodbye today, let's check in one more time with Peter, who has started his own business on the side of the road. Peter, are you there? Yes. Hi, Caitlin. A pleasure to uh, have this discourse. Uh, and how are you? Well, we're great, Peter. Tell us, how are sales? Oh, stop rubbing it in my face about how great you guys are. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, it's just been a difficult day for me here. I uh, To date, I have yet to sell even one glass of my 
a fresh, homemade, handmade wheat juice. Not one glass. No, not one. It's uh, it's really heartbreaking. But uh, uh, what it tells me is that there's just no room for the little guy in this a crazy big world of beverage with your cola companies and your coffee mavens. You know, they're just squeezing us out, us us little guys who are just trying to make a, an earnest, a, a homemade, handmade juice of wheat. So it's possible I was charging too much, but and then again, we'll never know. Well, how much is a, is a glass of wheat juice from Peter? Right. Uh, one glass of uh, Peter's refreshing, handmade, homemade, hand-squeezed wheat juice is $80 with a $30 convenience fee. What's the $30 convenience for? It was just convenient for me to have that. I'm really sorry to hear about that, Peter. Uh, well, better luck next time on your future endeavors, right? Absolutely, Caitlin. And as the saying goes, when you get lemons, uh, you make lemonade. Of course, that wasn't possible because we didn't get those lemons. But what I mean is that on the bright side, I've got a lot of wheat juice here, and it's coming home with me. So uh, Pat and yourselves and everybody at Road Trip Radio can get ready to enjoy some of this delicious bitter juice. Th- thanks, Peter. You always have something fun for us. <laughs> All right. Take care, Caitlin. Well, that's it for this episode of Road Trip Radio. Thanks for listening. And remember to keep it tuned to Road Trip Radio all summer long. We leave you today with the sounds of Saskatchewan's only all-mime curling team. See you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Road Trip Radio has been made possible by the Government of Canada and is produced by Kelly and Kelly Creative and Sumo Audio. Research by Matt Masters, Janice Tufford, and Leslie Johnson. With contributions by Dave Shumka, Brian Short, Paul Tedeschini, Sophia LePage, Zoe Robertson, Grant Lawrence, Jen Bohm, Naomi Sneekis, Matt Barham, Mike Balazzo, Sandy Jobin Bevins, and the Road Trip Radio Kids from Arts Umbrella in Vancouver. Keep listening to Road Trip Radio, broadcasting 24 hours a day. 